this week on Invasion of the Podcast, the Muppets grow up and some grown-ups aren't happy with that. We talk about legendary horror icon writer Stephen King. And I test Joe about his Bill Murray knowledge, so he's got that going for him, which is nice. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? All right, and welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, taking over the world one listener at a time. I am, as always, Paul. We all float down here, George Stedman. Or Georgie Stedman, and to my left, as always, is Joe Red Rum Peters. <laughs> Red Rum. Red Rum. It's murder. <laughs> you, you had to ruin it right from the get-go, right? You had to just tell everybody it's murder from the get-go. You just ruined it. Or, or it could be resurrecting people. Oh, okay. Why, didn't, why do they call it resurrection? Why don't they just call it Red Rumming? I, <laughs> I like that. That, that makes sense. Um, so before we get into uh, news, I just wanted to bring something up here. I thought this was uh, funny today. I was uh, out with a friend of mine. We are going to go to lunch, and we were talking about the Pope visiting D.C., and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I like this Pope. He's like, he's pretty cool. He seems like a nice guy. He's like, that last Pope scared me. Like, he was like Palpatine. Yeah. Scary. And then I stopped for a second. I was like, am I talking about Popes or am I talking about doctors? And my buddy just kind of was like, ah, he just kind of was like, he just gave me that groan because it feels like I'm assigning like feelings and emotions to Popes like I would the, the, the different doctors as I watch them. So mm-hmm. you, uh, you don't really care about that, do you? No, I mean. It's like, is, like, is Capaldi more like the previous uh, previous pope? I think so. And maybe like like this this guy might be like a tenant or a Matt Smith. Yeah. Just thought of fun. He's, he's, like, he's like popular with the ladies. He is. Like the young ladies like the new pope. Uh, yeah, he's social social networking, Twittering type thing. He's in, a humble he guy. Converses. You well, don't know about that? You no, know, I've read a lot of cool stuff about like, you know, he's done, you know. Yeah. Like, they were supposed to go, I think in D.C., they're supposed to go to some sh- uh, swanky... Uh, politician dinner and he was like no i'm gonna just he went to like uh, i think he went to like a homeless shelter or, or like, like a sizzler no, no no he went and he went he went and he uh he he volunteered at like a homeless shelter no he's always been like it's all yeah, about the piousness like, and like that's yeah you're the pope that's yeah what you should do so i just hope he doesn't Good on re- him he should not regenerate anytime soon because I, I think i like the consideration of the pope for a while so he should be around for a few more seasons what if that's what that smoke is he's regenerating <laughs> yes i like that idea yeah. that's amazing Where it's never like, thought of that did it's, you it's like they're not picking a pope he's just that. regenerating he's just regenerating but Didn't then know that, did wait you? but the other pope's still alive right now you know benedict whatever it's a robot come on paul <laughs> <laughs> he, he's you know he's the emperor robo you know? benedict <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! It's just it, almost, it, I was going to be so slick and just be like, I'm just going to press the it, button right now. As it gets quiet, news team assemble. You got to tell you, you have to you have to tell the soundboard what to do. You can't yeah. just you can't just hit it. I was going to be I was going to be so professional and slick there it, for a it's second. It's on smoke break until it hears you go. I'm going to press this thing <laughs> yeah, quick and it, then they it, put it, it out. It out real quick. Puts it out real quick. Like yeah. Oh, so anyway, that was news showing up late to the party. Thanks, news. Um, as always, news is brought to us by Midwest Best Grooming Company, dedicated to bring you only the finest beards, balms, and oils, strong enough to tame the roughest of faces, and alluring enough to draw on those who love it. Um, that is at mwbgroomingco.com. Yes. Okay. And so, uh, news, we were talking about you wanted to bring up uh, the Muppets. Oh, yeah. So, I watched the Muppets on Tuesday. The Muppets are back, um, and it was... Uh, I enjoyed it. It was really cool. Um, the... The one thing that I can tell everybody, uh, I'm not going to really spoil it. I guess it's one episode, but like, it's 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 in a late time slot too. I think it's at nine o'clock. Okay, it's like eight or nine o'clock. Um, they went the route. It, it's very thirty rock ish, but like, um, uh, like at a talk show, like Miss Piggy's got a talk show. Okay, like that's the whole premise. Is she's a talk show host. Kermit's the executive producer, and the rest of the Muppets run it. Um, but it's very kind of like, a, I don't want to say it's adult, like it's like dirty adult or like, you know, <laughs> like made for HBO, but it, it's very oriented for adults. Like yeah, it, didn't, it didn't go all meet the feebles. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people are kind of, 
I guess pissed about it that are that they're like, how are they going to take the Muppets and like not make them? Well, okay, so I did not see it yet. Um, Joe said he has, and, and I asked him because specifically people were mentioning some of the the language choices that were in it, and they said yeah. that that Kermit swore, and, and Joe told me the context in which he said it. He didn't I, really swear. He said there was a line that he was talking about because, like, we had reported on the podcast a while ago about how breaking they, news by yeah, the way then that Miss Piggy and um, Kermit the Frog split, which was a which was a promo. For for the show to, to tip off because the show comes out of the gate with them being split up. And Kermit says, you know, being the executive producer of your ex-girlfriend's hit talk show can make your life a living hell. And yeah, see, I don't think that's that. And that's 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 like apparently a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah. And then it, I guess they use the word suck at one point, but as in something yeah. sucks as opposed to. You know other connotations of it, but and and it's funny because like you mentioned those two things, but then you played a joke for me that Fozzie said mm-hmm. at one point going out on a date, and I thought that joke it's a really risque joke, but it's like if you're a kid you don't know it's risque, right. but it was actually really funny. It made me laugh out loud. Yeah. That was really funny. Um, and then I don't want to ruin it for people. Just go just but, go watch it, and it's really funny. But in terms of adult content, they have adult problems. Like Fozzie's like struggling in the dating world and trying to find to meet somebody, and then he does, and then it's like the awkward meeting with the parents and things like that and they're they're eating dinner and he's eating salmon and and they're like well you probably usually get yours out of the stream and he's like no i just go to costco like <laughs> you know like so it's it's like they they mix a lot of different types of humor. which i'm fine with that i mean even like uh, we were talking before the show the muppet show even though it was more set up like a vaudeville stage show it still had the backstage problems and like things and it's just not that it was like i guess is like as as grown up but it was like they're running a show mm-hmm. so and i bet you if i go back and watch some of that stuff now there's probably things i wouldn't have got when i was a kid yeah you know and 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 that's fine. I guess the big thing is that like they're being a little more overt about it. So some people were uncomfortable with it. Like I had a friend of mine who um, the moment that happened, she just turned it off. She didn't want to like her small kid. He's like four or five watching it. But they're also a little bit more strict about what they consider offensive language in that household. But she wasn't saying yank the show off the air like some people are. Right. She's just like, I wish I would have known but that it was a little bit more, a little bit more edgy than what she was expecting. That's true. I can give her that. And I yeah. mean, it, it, that's good, though, that that's a parent's responsibility to do that and not pick up torches and pitchforks at something. You yeah, know, she you, had the right to turn it off and she did. Right. You know? I mean, I can understand people, you know, upset to a point about how iconic the Muppets have been for kids, but then you have to look at where the Muppets are coming from in their original audience and they've grown up. There's a lot of things out there that a lot of people have grown up with and those things are grown ups now. Yeah, and also too, it's not like Sesame Street suddenly has a, a dark corner where you see needles and stuff. Yeah. It isn't like that's always going to be. They're still also going to face real world problems there too, but there's still that nurturing part of it, right? So I mean, yeah. I don't see why there can't be. I mean, because I mean, other than like Kermit, there isn't a lot of overlap between that and the actual Sesame Street characters, is there? Like, yeah. I don't think there is. Uh, I think Rolf and might have been on. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because normally it's two separate like entities, but yeah. Kermit was like the one, right? right. So. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's just I, I, I'm excited for the Muppet Show. I heard it heard it was a little a little weird, but hopefully it'll find its footing, and hopefully ABC yeah, and Disney I think it'll gives be it time to grow. I mean, I mean, Disney owns it, so I mean, it's not like they're I, I mean, they're Dis, Disney's taking ABC and making it like their hit machine for their movies and other properties. I mean, it's definitely them, yeah. their channel, their springboard channel. Yeah, yeah so I, like hopefully it gets some time, and it would be good to have a, an actual prime time show like that where it's a little bit more approachable for everybody. But it's not so like Seth MacFarlane out where it's like you you can't watch it because you're worried about offending everybody. Right. I don't so. think they're gonna. Yeah. I think the people that are offended are, are, are a set group that's kind of small. But and, and do you think there's also the ones that would get offended by pretty much a lot of things? Yeah. Okay. That's t- uh, I, not to get. Don't too, get me started yeah. about people getting offended. Hey, about we stuff just and, we just talked about the Pope regenerating earlier, so like this, oh. all bets are off the show. No, yeah. I'm joking. I like that. I really like the idea, though. The next time I see the Pope smoke, I'm going to be like, oh, my goodness, what's it going to be? Is it good? You know, like, is, is Matt Smith going to be the next Pope? I don't know. It'd be amazing. See, or, or Dr. Sam Beckett. I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> the Pope's like, new teeth. New teeth. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he gets a whole different outfit, different yep. hat. Like, it's, it has to be a different hat each time, yep. you know? So. Fezzes um, are cool now. If I you wear have, a fez. If you haven't figured it out yet, Joe, I'm starting to come around to the Doctor Who's, um, and we'll we'll talk more about that in another episode, I'm sure, because I'm I'm finally getting caught up. Like I put off that for a long time, and Joe's been really caught up for a while now. So he's. I um, still have to watch Capaldi. Yeah, but I I am just about to start the Matt Smith era, so I'm a little behind. So, That's a good era too. Yeah. So right. so far, anyway, uh, next bit of news: um, Prometheus Two. 
uh, which we've known's been in production for a while. Ridley Scott just announced when he was doing some promotional tour stuff for The Martian, which been getting really good reviews, by the way. Like I'm excited for The Martian. Yeah. Um, he has stated that Prometheus Two is now called Alien: Paradise Lost, and I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know either because, like, the first part it makes me excited. Alien. The second Ridley part, Scott Alien. Yes, Ridley so. Scott Alien, and then Paradise Lost can have a lot of meanings. Like Paradise Lost, in my mind, it it remind it makes me think of Alien mixed with, and oddly enough, Blowcamp mixed with Elysium. How they had. The um, like the upper society, the Elysium, the, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of like that, just going going to hell because aliens get loose in that. Well, it makes me think that maybe when they go visit this home world with engineers, that is technically paradise, right? And then you're going to see how all of that goes to hell. Like I think, which I'm okay with, right. I guess you know, like I still, I I want to like Prometheus more than I do, and I like, and I want to be the biggest Prometheus fanboy because I was excited for an R-rated Ridley Scott sci-fi, crazy sci-fi movie. And there's bits, there's so many good bits in there, but there's a lot of like just stuff that it just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way to where I can't enjoy the good bits. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a lot of people felt like that. I felt like that. I I sat through it and at the end of it, I was like, hmm. And then I thought about it more and I was like, if this had no attachment to Alien, I probably would have enjoyed this, enjoyed this a lot more. Yeah, and so like Michael Fassbender, awesome in the movie mm-hmm. like uh some of his motivations are a little weird at the beginning but otherwise though i, I liked him a lot and I, and I like that they just have his his head moving on to the next movie i think that's pretty cool um it's I, I, very bishop-esque yeah and that's fine like and it's uh i i like um i it just the whole idea that that the derelict ship like it's just how that all kind of got tied together about how it's the that wasn't um, an alien ship. I mean, I guess everything that's not Earth, Earthlings is aliens, right? But it was the it was engineers. a xenomorph yeah. ship. Yeah, you can go xenomorphs yeah. to make it a little more. Xenomorphs are the aliens. Yeah. Know your aliens. I just I'm just going to call them all aliens. You know, the blue one and the red one. Yeah. all those alien guys. You know, <laughs> the Klingon ones. You yeah. know, the ones with the heads, the ones with not heads. Um, I you know like Prometheus. My like there was just cool setups, but then they almost would serve like these, like, well, we have to have an action moment. So something has to happen right now. And it didn't fit logically with the story they're wanting to tell for whatever reason. It felt like it got like the one dude, um, the, the redheaded, like geologist dude, the one that was like, I don't know, um, like hot boxing his own spacesuit and getting high. The one that like, I didn't think was a scientist for like the whole movie. Until yeah. They were like, Oh, that's a and geologist. And it's like, Oh, he's a zombie now. And he's kind of angry. It's like, yeah. that doesn't make sense. And the one guy who was a geologist that's freaking terrified of everything takes off his helmet to go look at the weird eel that attacks him. And you wonder, oh, maybe you shouldn't have taken off your helmet. Guy that was afraid of everything before that. It's yeah. like, there was weird logic. A right? lot of people had a, had a lot of issues with those characters from, like, even me, like, you know, just being, like, the scientists being afraid of everything there. And I'm like, the most of those scientists should be in wonder yeah. and cautious, which and, and, was and, the complete opposite. Like, the one guy was completely dismissive the moment he found out. I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought this was. Let's just get out of here. It's like, you're on a different planet. And you just found evidence of existence of other things. And so, yeah, the motivation's a little weird. I I want to trust Ridley Scott because he's done so much great stuff that I love. And he still makes good movies now. This isn't like, this isn't as much as I love John Carpenter. This isn't the John Carpenter effect where he still was going to still make stuff and it still hasn't been good after a period of time. Ridley Scott makes good movies still. I just... I don't know. Like, I'm worried. Like, I, I, I'm excited for the Blow Camp film. I actually forgot about it for a hot minute because there was all that production art. And then they talked to I didn't realize that they're actually calling it, like, actually Alien 5 right oh. now. I didn't realize that. Um, so, and I wonder how these two are going to tie together. Maybe not tie together, but exist in the same universe now. So, anyway, Paradise Lost. Um, and speaking of mixed feelings about things, uh, Joe had found a story recently about some reboots and sequels being announced. Yeah, Hollywood's always trying to reboot and and redo stuff. And yeah, we're rebooting this podcast next week. So, we're going to cast ourselves as younger guys. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get we're, we're going to get cops. some some twelve year olds in here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Morgan Creek Films is they're starting to talk about rebooting possibly three movies: uh, The Exorcist. Uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and, and a possible uh, um, Major League, which is the one that kind of had me like, hmm, because, I mean, that hits close to home. Yeah. And, and like, not to get into the Ghostbusters, but how everybody's like, because, you know, uh, uh, Paul Feige was getting heated on Twitter 
again about people attacking you know his Ghostbusters movie like yeah he, which officially wrapped by the way so yeah something's been shot completely so mm-hmm. then I'm still it still could happen it still could not right. be and the light of day I'm fine <laughs> with Ghostbusters and I'm gonna see it but yeah. like um like like people have been attacking him and and for doing this movie and especially with you know the all female cast and things yeah. So, you know, this this is like just this is the same thing. Like, you know, Hollywood wants to keep these properties going. The Exorcist is a little bit easier to do because Hollywood's remade horror movies over and over and over again. See, you are less dismissive of that. I feel like The Exorcist uh, there's no reason why reboot something that was a standalone experience. Yeah, but and, they've had other Exorcist movies. Yeah, then call it something else. Then just that just like Exorcist 5 or 4. Yeah, right? like I mean you have The Conjuring which follows right. the 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 people that supposedly found all the weird stuff like that that husband and wife couple that uh, all of that was made up, by the way, but everyone talks about all the stories that they did, like the Amityville house and all that. That's fine. Go, go tell more of those. Like, the, but the exorcist by itself, it's like, it, you didn't need a reboot. You didn't, it's just, that is, that movie terrifies me still. And I don't know why you need to reboot something that I still think I, it just, it's different. It's not like, no. it just, I, I don't understand why you need to go back to that, that, that one particular thing. It just seems They've, like that's, They've re- rebooted Evil Dead, Freddy, Jason, Halloween. I mean, like they've redone The Omen. Like I get the all Omen, that, but it's yeah. just... And, they, and they've even done sequels to The Exorcist, and they've also had The Exorcist of the Beginning and all. Like So they've done multiple Exorcist movies. I just don't know why you need to go back to that again. I think with comedies, <laughs> to me at least, a little different. Like Ace Ventura, Pent Detective. Like, yes, you could remake that, but... To try to capture Jim Carrey's lightning in a bottle—that's ridiculous. Yeah, because I mean that was basically a throwaway movie with him just being like being, being crazy. Yeah, that's what was fun about it, it. it. Like if you took that movie with any other actor, it would just it would be it would be a flop in my opinion because like he made that whole movie like his animated you know com- comedic uh, his animated comedic style. Yeah, um, you know it was just like that's what's so iconic about it. It wasn't the jokes. It wasn't you know the the. The story, um, you know, even though, like, you know, I mean, everybody can look back and think about, like, the Miami Dolphins kicker that was a guy (laughs) or a woman, you know. (laughs) Laces out. Yeah, laces (laughs) out. Um, You know, that type of stuff. But it's all Jim Carrey. And then, like, the same thing with Major League. Like, they tried to make a sequel of Major League, which wasn't too great. And then they just kept trying to do these little spinoffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, didn't they? So they rebooted the Pink Panther with Steve Martin. Yeah. So, like, and... I guess people like that. I haven't watched them. Like I, I like Steve really Martin, like but it. man, there's times where he picks things where I'm like, I don't know, like what because yeah. he he's still funny today. He's still like putting out good. Like I don't know. He's he's never lost his Steve Martin edge, but he picks something like that. And I just how do you how do you um, fall in the footsteps of um, uh, Peter Sellers? Like, yeah. How do you do that? You know. But like so. with Major League, like. I don't know how it is in other cities because I don't live in other cities in sports movies because there's been other sports movies out there. You know, they did um, Moneyball and uh, what was the one? Um, Necessary Roughness. And, <laughs> you uh, go for more recent one than to the, the Scott Bakula as a high school, a college quarterback with Sinbad well, and Kathy Ireland as the kicker. What was the other one? Um, well, even recently, the uh, Cleveland Browns had that Draft Day movie that had Kevin Costner. Draft Day, yeah. yeah, but the characters in the film, like if it's a comedy, like uh, oh, okay. Angels in the Outfield yeah. with the the Disney one, and then there was another yeah, one with, with Murtaugh and Doc Brown. The Rookie, yeah. <laughs> but it's like nobody, nobody, like if you come to Cleveland, like, like people have Rick Vaughn jerseys that they wear to Indians games. It would be like redoing Slapshot, even though they made sequels to that, but yeah. recreating Slapshot and you not having... Um, Oh shoot! The the three brothers that are in that, or or Paul Newman's character, right? Um, shoot, people, I, I should know the name of those brothers. But yeah, it's it, it's more 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 of a I would say almost more of a Cleveland iconic piece than than a cinematic piece for a comedy because that I see people all the time with those Vaughn jerseys. I saw a Joe Boo jersey, like the little <laughs> yeah. Serrano's little guy. Like, and yeah. I told I told my girlfriend I was like. I want a Joe Boo jersey. Yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. Well, I think the reason people really attach themselves to it is because it was a, um, it's it totally like Cleveland vibe of like, no one cares about us. Screw you guys. We're going to win just to spite you. Yeah. And that's such a, that's such a weird Cleveland. Like, it is. like we may not be successful, but we want to make sure no one else is either. And it's like, mm-hmm. and that's what really made that movie work. Cause it's like, these are all screw ups. And and this is a town that like if you lost we're gonna go to Florida and that was yeah. it. But if anybody you know. knows just from watching the NBA finals, it's like we don't win. So for we will win. We're gonna win. 
for for us to have that in Hollywood was like our thing. Plus, like I mean, the characters were really great, so it was yeah. just you know. I don't, I, yeah, I, this, I don't see the need to, to... I mean, have a baseball comedy. I don't care. Just don't call it Major League. Exactly. Like, they, they just do something different and original. That, I guess that's the whole thing, like Exorcist. Do something like, I don't know, um, Possession or any other names of like Exorcism of Emily Rose, anything. Just yeah. come up with this. It doesn't have to just be the William Peter Blady's The Exorcist Part 7. Uh-huh. Um, I was trying to think. Uh, um, James Earl Jones was in the second one of those. Did you ever see The Second Exorcist? Huh. Really weird movie. James Earl Jones is in it, playing like some kind of like witch doctor guy, and just hearing him with his, that voice is just creepy. And I probably got all that wrong, so I apologize. Anyway, hashtag Pope Smoke. <laughs> I, I just like that now. I'm just obsessed with the Pope Smoke. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, the, the other thing too, um, we're talking about reboots real quick. I know we uh, also saw an article. Men in Black might also get rebooted too. I have no problem yeah. with that. Like I know you said you want to see Will Smith in that. I, it's one of those franchises that I don't want to see him as right a people. starring role. I think yeah. it would be cool to pass a torch role. <clears throat> I, I just think that having the Men in Black as an organization means that that's an idea that you can rotate actors in and out of and that's not necessarily a bad thing as long as the stories are okay that's i like, like those stories of those organizations like that and like hellboy with like bprd yeah i think those organizations are really fun yeah so um yeah i guess remakes i guess we come down on some are okay some are not that's kind of like maybe maybe some will be okay and then i guess how it's handled just just don't do a baseball movie where people get possessed and then joe and i'll both be mad if it's about cleveland players getting possessed. they already did that it was angels in the outfield <laughs> dude <laughs> <laughs> that's true i guess they did get possessed <laughs> did didn't they get, yeah. the angels just grabbed them and lifted them and stuff oh yeah i guess i huh i didn't think about that that's true I, we're having a very um <laughs> very religious episode i didn't yeah. realize that popes and angels and everything um all right so that's enough news and now we're on to this eventually and now for our feature presentation I was looking at it, I couldn't find it, and I had to say it, and then I found it. Oh, did you hit the right button, though? Yeah, I did. I hit yeah. two other things. Did I hit two other things? You had two other bits of news? No, other things. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah, man, you're getting button happy. Yeah, I'm getting button happy. Give me so, your phone. Here, no, no. Um, Let me, you, why don't here. you put me in charge of these buttons? No, how about, how about this? All right, so what's your Star Wars fact? You ready for How the- many weeks till Star Wars, Paul? Uh, not enough, I guess. No, you're just tw- angry it's 12 I, weeks now. I told you, ah! you know, your buttons. I'm taking yeah. your phone next podcast. Yeah, since it, yeah, please. Maybe you hit the buttons right. I, I know I won't. Are they labeled? They are, are labeled. Are they just color-coded? <laughs> they, they're just tiny. <laughs> they're tiny buttons on my phone that play these wonderful sounds we have. And, <laughs> and I go to look at them, and I'm just like... I, I just, I, you know, I have them color coded, but there's some of them are the same colors and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard life. Okay, so fine. talk about your star Wars. All right. So star Wars fact, random star Wars fact. So there's two really, I guess, big iconic lines from star Wars. Do you know what those are? Um, what? I love you. I know. That's oh, iconic. Okay. Okay. That's iconic. So I'll give you three. Um, do or do not, there is no try. That's a good one. Okay, now I'm just going to stop you. All right, so these are just the internet. So number one is may the force be with you. Okay, well, yeah. I, I can't, maybe. That's, that's, that's an important they one. They kind of say that. Yeah. Um, and the other one is um, Luke, I am your father, which is not the right quote. Yeah. So the right quote is like, no, I am your father. Okay. Because he asks you, he says, you know, uh, he asks you, <laughs> Paul. Uh, no, uh, he he asks Luke. He says Obi Wan never told you uh, about your father, and he says no. He told me no. You killed him. Yeah. And he says no. I am your father. Um. So the fun fact is, is the only people who knew that during filming was James Earl Jones and Mark Hamill. Yeah, because I, I know um, the whole thing was that uh, they had angry German guy that was playing uh, yeah, Vader, David on Prowse. set actually say i killed your father or something that Obi, he right. said obi-wan killed your father oh okay and yeah that, and the but hamill was supposed because lucas pulled him aside and said hey yeah this is what's actually being going on this is what's going ruin that because he knew he like as much as i'll rag on lucas at that time he just knew what would like this is going to blow people's minds yeah and that that yeah he so. did a good job which some directors should take a page out of that book for that nowadays with the internet because that would be a complete Spoiler. Because especially if you do it without any um, type of paper trail. 
Yeah, because if they just pull him aside, if they were to pull an actor aside and say, look, this is your line for this scene, mm-hmm. but this is what it actually is. And yeah. this is how you react to it. Well, you like, I, isn't it? Maybe it's true. I know with this new one, I, I was pretty sure that all the actors only got pages for the stuff that they're in. So they don't even know the scope of everything going on. Yeah. And I mean, credit to the actors and also credit to the, you know, to Abrams being able to know that, well, they may not know everything. So I have to still guide them and get the performance out of them that I need to make everything fit together. And also credit to the actors to understanding that they have just a wedge to fill and they have to do the best they can with it. And you know, that that's, that's intimidating, you know, because if I wouldn't know how the story would end, like how would you know, how to lead your character from point A to point B. You know, so that's an interesting fact. That's a good one. I'm glad that you reminded me to press a button for that. So that's a good one. Um, so let's go on to this one now. That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And I'd press buttons and stuff that were labeled correctly. Anyway. Oh, you're not ready now to talk about things? Or you just No, I guess I, I spilled coffee on my I'm, Do I have to take your coffee away from you next week? I'm going to smack you. <laughs> like... <laughs> all right so comic wise uh i've i've uh, been reading like some of the secret war offshoots like i talked about spider-man renew your vows um i've also been reading old man logan which is one of the marvel properties i think it came out in 2003 or 2005 yeah, i read the original old man logan like the, the, which, when they put it out on a trade i read all that yeah which is really good story it's done by mark millar um, who's done? Who did? Uh, we talked about him before. Who did Kick Ass and Civil War? And had a, a big Daredevil run that mm. shaped everything. And and Batman too, right? He did some Batman. Are you thinking Frank Miller? Uh, dang it! But Mark Millar did also did Daredevil. I'm pretty sure. I think he did do Daredevil. Yeah. So anyway, um, Millar, Miller, whatever. But, Batman's next week, folks. Just spoiler alert: we're yeah, talking about Batman, Batman week. next week. Yeah. Uh, so no, they 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 revisited Old Man Logan after everything happened in the series that they ran a few years ago, Old Man Logan. And Old Man Logan, just to give you a small background of it, is just, um, uh, Wolverine's really old, uh, and he lives in kind of like a, a broken United States where it's split up into territories where a lot of supervillains control it. And I think... Uh, yeah, because all supervillains got together and said, hey, you know what? If we actually just act, act as one, we can wipe out a lot of mm-hmm. the hero population. And they did. And then they just divided up the country. Like the Hulk had like uh, the West Coast, and then like I know what Red Skull had like the East Coast, and Red Coast had East Coast, and then I think Magneto and Kingpin had the middle. Yeah, so it was like this whole so. big thing where, and it's like kind of post-apocalyptic. Like imagine like like Mad Max kind of vibe, but with like superheroes and like their, I just I guess in their later days. But it was it was good, and and Logan took this whole vow of peace that he would never yeah never put out his claws ever again. So he the whole. Whole timers waiting for this moment of just being like, "All right, now we're done." Yeah. And it was it was really good. But you you get to see. I mean, um, I'm not going to give away what happened in the original one because mm-hmm. I think you should. Most people should read it. It's it's a good read. Yeah, even if you don't read like a lot of X Men or whatever, it's a good. It's I mean, it's a it's a standoff like like one shot series of stories that it, are. Yeah, it's its own thing. It's it's really worth reading. But they re- revisit that universe in Secret Wars because Secret Wars has all these little battle worlds and things are going on. But the interesting part is, is like old man Logan, he, uh, something happens. I'm not going to say what, it's not really that big a deal, but, um, he decides to basically investigate battle world on his own because he finds, uh, Emma Frost and she tells him that she encountered Emma Frost from old man Logan universe and she encountered other other X-Men and he didn't realize what she meant because he didn't know that these battle worlds came together. Okay. Because so all these different realities. All these different realities. Because yeah. all these realities are pushed up against each other, and they have literal walls around them that Doom basically patrols with Thors. So he just starts climbing walls with his claws and jumping over into different realms. So it's almost like each comic that he's do- that he's in, he's going to a different area. Like he, he went like a different reality. A different reality. Like I know one of them, he ends up in Iron Man's Armor Wars because they do an Armor Wars yeah. battle world because Armor Wars was set, in, it was in the 80s and they took the, the some of the premise of Armor Wars and they put it in the, the battle world where it's dimension is pocket dimension and there's like this techno virus okay. where everyone has to wear an Iron Man suit to live. Otherwise okay. this virus will infect them and they can die. But... Logan gets over his wall from Old Man Logan World, and um, 
he goes he taking ends, the tram like everybody else would. Yeah. <laughs> but he ends up uh he ends up in Armor Wars world and um he's talking to Tony and they're just like they're like how are you able to survive without a suit? You know, obviously cuz he's healing factor. Um and then, you know, some stuff happens and he he gets uh he fights a couple people and Actually, fights a lot of people. No, oh, it's it's Wolverine. It's yeah, really I mean, you really get to see him throw down. But it, it's it's a pretty good story, and it's interesting because it's written in a perspective to watch a character like almost like a reader, not know what all is going on, but he's jumping from area to area to give you little. It's almost like a breadcrumb. Okay. Like, hey, like check introduction to all these different. Yeah, worlds. hey, check this out. Maybe this little thing you might want to check out. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. Logan's there, and then he's going to go to the next one. But ultimately, like, uh, I think, like, he ended up, I think, back in Manhattan, like six one six Manhattan. Well, because that's the whole thing is like, and and okay, so not giving away like how comics end because like we don't, I don't know how the story ends, but I know the the supposedly after all this wraps up, old man Logan is going to be in the, yeah. the the unified Marvel universe, so he's going to be the Wolverine. For you know, for now, between him and X twenty three, yeah, they're going to be the two Wolverines. Yeah, so like th- that's been like the whole big plan for a while now. So because it's hard to, I guess it's hard to put out books and not kind of announce your your intentions, right? Especially for the people buying the books in bulk to sell them. They have some to of know, the stuff you know. they can still drop a few bombs, but yeah. for the most part, like, and I was talking to one of the guys at the comic shop today, and I was there to pick up my stuff, and I was like, man, when does the new Secret Wars come out? And he's like. He's like, oh, I think it's coming out soon. He's like, it's been like a month and a half. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, they pushed it back far. I'm like, I'm just, I'm like, I'm enjoying it, but I want them to get it over with because I need this dust to settle so I can invest in characters. Yeah. Because they basically are running around with everything, but nothing, not everything's going to survive. So you don't know what. But at the same time, Marvel has also put out promotional art and they've also explained who is going to make it. Uh, at the end and who's going to be what so like um they did announce that like x23 is going to take over uh wolverine's mantle and she's going to wear the blue and um the blue and red or uh, blue and red (laughs) blue and yellow costume and then uh old man logan's going to be there too as basically the logan logan so (laughs) all right cool so, yeah, check it out. Uh, definitely, I mean, check out the new stuff. But Old Man Logan's a good, a good arc to read. Like, yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. And now, now on to this. And now for our feature presentation. For reals. I was so trigger happy there a second ago. So, um, uh, this week, uh, Stephen King's birthday. It was the twenty first. He is now sixty eight years old, which blows my mind because, like, I just I don't know. Like, I guess as people get older and I get older. I, it's just it's one of those things where I um, I don't know, I have a hard time with my with my heroes seeing them get older. I'm like, but you need to stick around forever and make more things. And so 68, you know, dude survived many years of hard living and then a van hitting him. Like he may not die, I don't know, but um, he's still around, still putting out books. I know he just put out a oh there was one uh, back in the summer and he has a new short story collection coming out here in November. So just constantly churning out books. He probably probably has a closet full of manuscripts that probably won't see the light of day until after he passes. And probably... He's he's a writer, right? Like he loves to write. Yeah. Like I think I think I read somewhere once that like he he does like a lot of writing exercises. Like he'll sit down and he'll write like so many words a day. Yeah. And like he just I don't know, it's like it's like running on a treadmill for him. It's well, not, yeah. He went into a little bit like, um, he had a book he put out called On Writing, which is basically like, it was part like um, English book, but part also like his creative process of how he does things. And he and he goes, you're right, he does do a lot of writing each day, but a lot of it's like he'll write and then not look at for like six months and just put into a drawer and be like, if any of this is worth it, when I come back to it and look at it when I forgot about it, because then I'll know if I actually have something. So I'm sure a lot of it's like, oh, I was at the store today and I got a really weird looking gallon of milk. I'm going to write something six months from now. That gallon of milk story, that's going to go places. And then, so then that's, and that's how the mist was made. That's that's where the mist came from. I, I don't know. I'm, oh, I was I'm like, really? <laughs> wow. I'm like, I love the mist. <laughs> yeah, it was a creepy jug of milk. He was there and it was just, things got weird. No. Um, Somebody started arguing with their neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andre Brarsh came yeah. out and, just, and swore awkwardly and everyone got real quiet. No. <laughs> Um, I, I just want to take this opportunity cause like I am a big Stephen King fan. I have a couple of friends that would call me a Stephen King apologist because I, I guess I'm that guy sometimes where I'm like, yeah, maybe some of the stuff isn't that good, but I'm always like, but it's still, I love it. And so what, what got you into Stephen King? My mother, uh, was she, she a fan? Yeah. She was a, um, she's a big reader and she, 
uh, had saved all these books that she liked to his because um, she thought my older brother would be the reader of the family. That that didn't happen. What um, do you mean the reader of the family? Like, like, did like you guys kind of had assigned jobs? Or? Yeah, like he was the reader. I was the shoemaker. And, you know, <laughs> and my little brother, he was, you know, he'd be the one out in the fields at night, you know, chasing the squirrels, you know. But we, hey, you know, we, we said none of that. I'm going to be the reader, you know, and, then, <laughs> I, and I still chase squirrels and I'm a shoemaker. Um, so she just thought my older brother would be the one that would be the one picking up books and reading them, not me. And I, for whatever reason, I, I proved her wrong. Um, I'm trying to remember what first Stephen King book I read. And it's weird because I was reading this stuff in like middle school and there's some really like harsh content in some of those books. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and my mom didn't care. She's like, well, like basically it's like, it's like the Mitch, Hedge, Mitch Hedberg joke. Any uh, books, a kid's book, if the kid can read it, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like kind of like how, how she was like, well, it's like, she's like, I, you know, like, you know, better. Like if there's something that's like, you know, you know what I expect as like, basically it's like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of like foul language and odd scenes in there, but you'll, you know, like what's, what's appropriate, what's not, you know? Like I remember when they re-released the stand, um, which the, when that book originally came out, it was around 800 pages, but then they, um, it was like his third book, I think a nice third book. It was, it was one of his earlier books. And at the time it was such a huge book that the publishers felt like, um, that it wouldn't sell. So that he had to go back. He did like an edited version. It was like half the page count. And, and then for years people were asking for the full version. I remember when that was re-released, this thing was like this huge, like four pound book. I remember hardback. the stand being that big. Yeah. yeah. I lugged that around with me in middle school and read it. And, and that's, um, you know, and I also read it around that time. Like I was reading like just all these like really big Stephen King books. Um, I don't know. I, I, this, it was, I think it's because my mom liked it a lot. And it's probably why I started going towards it. But then at the same time I had, when I was growing up, like I, I mean, I've obviously like video games and movies and all that, but I didn't really get into fantasy because I always felt like that was a, like a bridge too far at times. And I never read any real fantasy books or anything. Like, like you didn't I, read any Tolkien or anything. I did. Um, I wasn't happy about it when reading it. Like I just, like the, Hob- <laughs> like the Hobbit was okay, but then I read Lord of the Rings and it was, just, I had to have like a Tolkien encyclopedia to understand visually like where the armies were and all this stuff. And it just like, I was like in these stupid freaking trees taking forever to figure out things like it's for cool, but they talked way too much. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't really like, like I, I guess my imagination was there, but I didn't want to be like, oh, but this guy is red as opposed to this being like just assuming, you know. And with with King, his the stuff would always get weird, but it was always grounded in reality. And I liked, and I still relate to the idea that it's like it could just be someone going out for a Sunday drive, and they could be on their phone talking to their husband or wife, and then they take a wrong turn, and then things go really crazy, you know. And yeah. It's like you got that grounded reality he, to it. I he was really good at just positioning the things that happen in the most mundane ways. Yeah. Like, like I made a joke about the mist, but it's like the whole thing, like a storm came and knocked down some stuff. So it's like, okay, we're going to town. We're going to the store, get some supplies. I'll see you later. And it's all these locals. And some of like the, the vacationers are stuck in the store and you can definitely tell like, Oh, well, you know, your personality is a little weird, but we're in the store getting our stuff. We're out of here. Oh wait, now we're all stuck together. And that's when things like the, the, the people start interacting and that's it's well, really interesting. That's, I mean, that's, I've talked about this before. That's what one of the, I love about that specific story. Um, but like some of his other stuff, like what, what's, well, let me ask you this. What's your favorite Stephen King book? Oh, that's, that's a tough one. Like I like, uh, cause I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Like I, like I, so the dark tower series, I absolutely love. And that's his, his, so it's funny how I said, I didn't really care for fantasy to begin with, but then later on, like I love the dark tower. I've always wanted to read the dark tower. Like, I, I think cause I know it. the it, dark it, tower is yeah. like one of those things. Like he, he took basically spaghetti Westerns and like, like Lord of the Rings and was like, Prick. yeah, he, he wanted to make like, uh, uh, the American version of Lord of the Rings is kind of like his, like, I want to have this epic sweeping adventure. And even in the middle of all that, like the first book is pretty much a Western, even though there is magic elements in it. Um, as it goes on, like it takes place in New York, it takes place. Like there's like all these different spots that actually happen where it's like, so even though you got all this like crazy things going on, there's still the, always this grounding that happens. Okay. And I, I love, I love the dark tower. Uh, so much them. I guess I'm running out of breath as I talk about it. Um, but I, I just think like maybe I really liked Christine a great deal. So okay. people, some people don't like that book. I like that book a lot. What uh, set it apart? I just thought it was just a neat idea. The whole uh, you've seen the movie, yeah, right. And uh, the whole idea. So the the idea of Christine was that Stephen King was writing a story that he thought would be funny about a guy that falls in love with a car. And then he started writing it and then it took a dark turn, which it seems to be like his always his genesis for everything. Right. Uh, in the movie, the car was just kind of born bad. 
right? And uh, Arnie finds it, and like you know, and he's kind of down his luck, like loser. And then he finds this thing, and he starts fixing it, and then his self esteem starts going up, and he starts changing, and the car also starts changing too. Um, in the book, it's kind of the same thing. However, um, it's more inclined. It's, it's, it goes more towards as the car moves forward, the odometer goes backwards, and that's bringing the car more and more back to like the way it was, right? So when, whenever the guys come in and, and vandalize the vehicle, in the movie, it just goes and says, show me, and the car comes back to life and whatever, it fixes itself. In the book, he has to push this thing around a junkyard with the tires all deflated at first, and he's just shoving this car, this like 1958 Plymouth Fury, all steel, pushing this around a, a junkyard, and he just wrecks his back. And it's this whole thing of like, he loves this thing so, so much that he's shoving it, trying to get it to move forward to where it can bring itself back to where at first his tires inflate, then it slowly starts rolling again. And, and then he goes out and kills all the guys that vandalize the car. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of, I like where it is a horror novel, but there's still that, that element of like, well, you still have to do something to make this work. You know, it isn't just like, it's all just magic. You know, yeah. and, and and King is very like I don't want to say grounded because he writes some really crazy stories, but I love Christine. Like The Shining is really good. Um, I'll go back and watch the Jack Nicholson movie at some point, but I had a real problem with with the ending of that movie versus the book. But a lot of people have problems with that kind of like with books and movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I know like a lot of stuff that um he's done. Well, no, no, because like a lot of movies that they've made out of his stuff that they've tweaked with. Uh, turns out to be a little bit better, you know. I think because I know, like the mist, we both love the ending of the mist in the oh, movie. Oh, the, the, yeah, and the, the book is a little bit more like vague, mm-hmm. like because there's no end to what may be happening. But I love and, the ending. And of the I know Shawshank's a lot different too, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, I was going to bring that up because, like, you know, we're talking about like this guy wrote all horror, but then he's written some things that, like, Shawshank Redemption's an amazing story and it's a really good movie. And Green also, Mile. Both, like, yeah, Frank Darabont directed all three of those. Yeah, anytime actually. I think yeah. that's like a amazing pairing. In Hollywood is when Darren Bond gets a hold of a piece of King's work and he puts it into a, into a well. And like King actually is the reason he was able to start making things right. So uh, Darbot was a fan of his like when he was really young, and um, King had this this policy where it's like if you um, have interest in turning one of my things into like a movie or a short, he's like I'll sell you the rights for really cheap. Like he used to do it for like five ten bucks, right? And I think he sold him the rights to a short story called The Woman in the Room for like a dollar or two. And he's like, just, you know, make it, you know, make it, you know, do what you want. So because he's able to keep the cost down buying the rights, he gave Darabont a chance to actually prove himself as a filmmaker. Wow. So he's always kind of been there together. It's a good re- relationship to have. Yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of people, uh, Darren Bont's the, we've talked about him before, but he, uh, um, spearheaded walking dead for Robert Kirkman to yeah. get the TV show on the air. Cause, uh, Frank Darabont was a huge piece of the first season, Walking Dead. Yeah, and a lot of the cast from from The Mist ended up in The Walking Dead. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. So, but I was also going to mention too, like, and not to jump around too much, but it's like people, Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, Stand by Me. Yeah, also oh, I Stephen forgot King about story. Stand by Me. Yeah, and it, there's so many. And I know, like, before we started the cast, and we were talking about doing this with Stephen King, like, like you were. You were talking about one. Of, you said he was one of the one of the greatest American horror writers, and I said he probably is the greatest American horror writer because, you know, you have people like H.P. Lovecraft and Poe that were you know years before him, but it's King's library and King's his output is the, his yeah. output is way higher, and um, he's reached so many different people on a lot of different levels. Yeah, and I think that's like you're right. I think it's more like. Um, and there's also that, that intimate connection between uh, reader and writer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like and I know not to go back to the episode we did talk about Writer Player One, and I'm not going to go on all that again, but I feel like um, that connection wasn't, like, so direct with the reader. It was more like a lot of, like, telling you a lot of what was going on as opposed to making you feel like you're part of it. Mm-hmm. Where, and, and, and granted, two way different levels of writer. Don't get me wrong. Like, like Stephen King, I've, even he even has books he's put out that he wrote in high school, which think about that. Does that make you not feel accomplished where he wrote full on novels while he was in high school? Like that's right. Like, um, just, uh, there was a, was a book called rage that, uh, he actually now no longer has in publication because it's about school shooting. And he's like, okay, fine. I'll take that out because it seems like a lot of people are citing that as an example. Yeah. He wrote that while he was in high school. Then uh, the running man, he also wrote a little later too. And it's like, it's like he just, his output. Well, yeah, crazy. he wrote he yeah. wrote Running Man under under Bachman. Well, yeah, and, and Rage is released under Bachman as well. Yeah, but um, uh, speaking of that, like, which well, that's weird. I didn't know that about Rage that he that he pulled that. Yeah, and that's interesting because, like, I know I want to say it was in the was it two thousand six. 
maybe. I know he was really big about um, when, I think it was in Massachusetts, they wanted to like have that ban for like uh, violent media mm-hmm. with video games and things like that. And, and Stephen King was like, I don't even play video games, but he's like, I don't support this. Well, and he doesn't. It's just that the, the weirdness. And so, so Rage was a book he wrote in high school. It was about a guy that went into a classroom that shot his teacher and then basically held the class hostage. And it was this kind of like, I imagine like Lord of the Flies built in the classroom where like society starts breaking down inside yeah. the classroom and he makes them all kind of face each other. And did then they we, all have Mew Mew Beans? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> no, um, but then like, but then the cops are all outside and they're like trying to like stop it. And it's, it was, it's not a bad story, but you could definitely tell it was one of his like first, like, you know, big ones he wrote um, after like the third or fourth uh, school shooting in which, they actually had kept finding kids with this book and like backpacks. And he's like, you know, I don't, I think people should have the right to make up their decision to make up their mind about things. He's like, I don't want to give anybody that has um, any type of like unbalance an opportunity to think about. Like, you know, he doesn't want to, tr- he doesn't want to trigger to trigger something. He doesn't yeah, want to be a catalyst. He doesn't feel like it does. He doesn't feel like it shouldn't okay. be allowed. That's it's just funny. that he felt personally responsible. Like, you know, cause could you imagine it's like if you, if you wrote a book and it's like, and it's been at like, four different murder scenes it's like maybe i shouldn't maybe i should pull that back a bit because then you've been then you feel some kind of weird personal responsibility for what's going on i would think right so um but anyway uh just uh, yeah i think he's the greatest like right now um like american horror author i i because of him though i went on to read other other writers like clive barker is really really good very british very good uh and, and like there's other good books out there like I know a lot of people like Dean Koontz too. He's American. I don't know how much Dean Koontz stuff you're familiar with. Not a whole lot. I mean, I, I've, it's like, you got Stephen King up here and then there's like, Oh, Koontz is there. Like, he's there. He, you know, he's hanging out. He's, he's right. Still, yeah. Yeah. But Koontz <laughs> doesn't do all, doesn't do horror stuff. Does he? Yeah, he does. Does he? Yeah. Oh, well, I know he did Phantoms, <laughs> which is Ben Affleck's best movie. Oh, but, uh, the first half of that movie is not bad. No, it's uh, not. Yeah. And I love the concept of that. And then it the book's really good, by the way, sideways. Yeah. I remember yeah. I went and saw it with one of my friends and she read it. And and it was like after we saw the movie, like she was mad, and I'm like, sorry, I'm like I thought it was so so, but she's like, oh, the book was so much better. I'm like, it always is better. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's like a, a, in terms of King, like what it means to me is like I like I'm always excited to read a King book, even though some of these some of the later stuff. I've been taken to leave it. Like I know they're turning that book sell into a movie. I've, Eli Roth was attached to it for a bit where people's cell phones go berserk and then they start turn like these zombie horde and attacking people. Um, first half's not bad. Second half of the book's kind of, kind of questionable, but I'm, I'm never going to not turn down. I'm, I'm never going to turn an opportunity to read King. Like um, there's a book that came out. He put out a few years ago called Duma key. It's about a guy who um, also it's weird. After Stephen King got hit by a van, almost every one of his main characters going forward get into a car accident of some sort. Like whether it's a van or something, it's a, every character ends up getting hit. I by mean, something. obviously a traumatic life experience. Well, he translates as into his writing. Like, so you remember the movie Dreamcatcher? Yeah. Uh, very beginning of the story, the movie main character hit by a truck, right? Or hit by a van. Was it? Yeah. All I remember about that is the, uh, the one Wahlberg guy was like, like yeah, retarded uh, and he yeah. was really an alien and then the slugs <laughs> <laughs> or was he an alien yeah. uh so and, and then yeah, yeah Duddits. donnie Wahlberg. yeah and who's he oh who's he married to now right I, I no no no. he's married to somebody like somebody big yeah um damn it that's yeah, the character me. gets by a vehicle I gotta look um, um, the, the first book stephen king wrote after getting hit by a van was called from a Buick eight in which um the main character's father was a highway patrolman that got hit by a van or a truck of some sort. Okay. Do you remember that TV show Kingdom Hospital that was on ABC for a little bit? It was like a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Main character got hit by a van. Like it just, it, it's just everything like going forward, even in the dark tower series, Stephen King writes himself into the series. He gets hit by a van, like, wow. or almost gets hit by a van. Like every, like how I just, I don't know. Like, and I, I, I just, I get that. That's like, how that could color everything going forward, but it's just, it's odd that everything since then has been involving people getting hit by cars of some sort. So I had to look up real quick who Donnie Wahlberg is married to. Can you guess? And it's kind of ironic. It's not Re- Rebecca Romaine, is it? No, it's, it's Jenny McCarthy. Oh, I, I, I was, yeah, I wasn't that far off, I guess. But I wonder if she feels that aliens, I wonder if she feels the same way about aliens as she does about vaccinations. Oh, I don't know. Her <laughs> husband was returned. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I went there. Sorry. 
Oh, I'd say we could hate mail, but we probably won't. Yeah, like, nobody's listening. <laughs> this will come back like in the future. Like, I want episode <laughs> when, 20. When, when, when Joe goes running for public office, that's going to come back to haunt him. Um, no, but it's like Stephen King. Like, I just um, I know that Under the Dome show just wrapped up, which that was a complete pile of hot garbage, but the book was pretty good. Um, that the, the, the series, the book, um, what was it called? Um, oh, I had this here. Where'd it go? 112263. That is a series being developed for Hulu right now. Um, it's a book about a guy that finds like this weird, like time bubble that he can go into and it ends up being like the mid fifties. And, um, if he comes back to the present and goes back, it's always that same point in the fifties. So kind of like groundhog day type thing. Kind of. But the whole thing is like, if you go and stay back, then time just goes on. Right. But the moment you decide to come back to the future, to the present, and you go back again, it's always going to be back at that same time. So uh, someone had suggested to him maybe go back and figure out if like Oswald actually was the one shot Kennedy, but he had to wait like eight years to get to that point, right? So, so he had it, to stay in the bubble for eight years? No, he had to just go back in time for eight years. And then like, and then, like the bubble's always there. It's someplace in Maine, because everything's in Maine, by the way. So he goes, and it's this whole story about this guy from now who goes back to like the mid-50s. And then has to live his life up to the point of the Kennedy assassination and has to try. And he's just trying to figure out for himself of whether Oswald was responsible or not. It's really cool. It's a, and like, I know the, the series, it's going to be a mini series on Hulu. I think James Franco is attached to play the main character. Hmm. Um, it's a, it's a cool book. Like I know you don't read a lot of Stephen King. That's a cool book to read. That's funny. You should say I don't read a lot of Stephen King because I haven't read any. Oh, that's true. So you haven't. You, you told me you said you think you maybe read part of a Stephen King. Book I think once. I started. I think it was a quarter past midnight or the stand. It was one of those. It was like in the mid nineties, and I remember I was like, uh, I started the book and I was just like, I can't get into this. So did you watch any of the like the ABC miniseries like event things that they did? Where I watched the Langoliers <laughs> with the. Uh, with Bronson Pinchot, yeah, like with Balky Bartakamus as the crazy I guy. I like the concept of the Langoliers and how they were stuck in time, and it was like time was eventually. They they ended up like the day the day passed. The day passed, and yeah. like but like the things that were cleaning up time, yeah, because it has to go, it has to go away or go forward. I thought yeah. that was interesting. No, it's a it's a cool it's a cool story, but I like yeah. that uh, Balky Bartakamus is the insane guy in that, and that's the same thing too. Like you, oh, he's definitely all... the uh, what's her name, Marsha Gayherden. Of the yeah. story, well, yeah. Well, like I had a point here, I was going to make my I had my notes, um, and not to drag this on too long, but King was always really good at creating like like um, characters that you can relate to, very grounded. Like Salem's Lot is a good example of like a small little town that you get to know, and then vampires happen, and that whole town gets turned into vampires, and it gets messed up because it's like not only is people turning into vampires, they're still kind of interacting like a little bit like you know they were as townspeople a little bit, so it's like you get this, it's really creepy. Um, so, but like he's really good at making characters, and then uh, sometimes the people interacting with each other are worse than the danger that they're facing. Like um, Marcia Gay Harden in the yeah. Mist, her character is terrifying. Her character is a lot more dangerous than the stuff that's outside there. Yeah, and it's I like, mean the stuff outside there is like a hazard, like 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 a sleet storm that you don't want to go out in, but no. she is the one who will put you out in it. Yeah, and like Craig Toomey, which he was the that's Bronson Pinchot and the Langoliers, like. He seemed okay to begin with, but then he just got really off his rocker and became a he became a detriment and a threat to them. On top of them trying to figure out what was going on, yeah. right? And it's like, and King's really good at that, like that. Like I guess it's kind of like uh, Charlie Day, and it's always sunny being the wild card. Like it's always good having. <laughs> there's always that wild card in there, and it's it's always interesting. Like Charlie, um, like under the dome, there was uh, in the book there was um, the the mayor's son. Uh, or whatever he was just in like he had a brain tumor didn't know it and he was slowly just snapping over the course of the book and it was really good um i don't think that gave away anything i hope they didn't give away anything but oh um, no you gotta Uh, hit spoiler alert before you start talking about under the dome (laughs) i'm not hitting buttons right now uh so you hit the buttons i can i can try to hit a button i got buttons for that i got buttons on buttons and uh, there we go what's this spoiler after the fact spoiler alert after the fact Oh, I, I'm looking forward, like King's still making things like, uh, and I'm looking forward to the, the, it's just, he, and plus his son, Joe Hill, um, which you might be familiar with the comics. Like he wrote lock and key, which is a really inspirational, not inspirational, but a lot of people look at that as being a really cool, like horror fantasy series. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've not? heard of lock and key. Um, and he's now writing a lot of stuff with his dad. Cause he took, uh, he took the last name Hill, which is a family name, but he didn't want to be, he wanted to show that he could do this without his right. dad. Right. Um, and which then, a lot of celebrity kids do. Yeah. And then, and, and like, what was that, that, um, that movie horns that had, um, Harry Potter in it. Um, 
was it Harry Potter? Yeah, it was Harry. Yeah, it was yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Radcliffe. Uh, that was based off of a Joe Hill book um, that I still need to read. But I heard it was actually quite good. And so I, it's, I think it, it's on Netflix. I, w- I it is that's on, Netflix, on my yeah. to to watch list because I heard that wasn't bad. Yeah. So I mean, I I think that also like a lot of King has colored a lot of how we live. Like I was telling Joe before the show, and that rhymed by accident. Uh, telling th- Joe before there, the show. <laughs> there's so much that King has like done that we just kind of like, it's almost become like part of our pop culture, like language, like everyone knows what Cujo is. Right. Uh, everyone knows what Carrie well, is. Yeah. Like certain even, things like yeah. Cujo is used to describe a pretty much an angry rabbit. Dog. He, like everybody knows Jack Nicholson's character from the shining where he says, here's Johnny, which I know that's a, the tonight show thing. But, and then that whole no work and, uh, was it, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Everyone knows that. The you know? twins from The Shining. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, right. And it's just all like so. Don't play with us. <laughs> um, so I mean, just he's he's colored our world, right? And and I'm not saying in a bad way. Nope. It's like he's he's made us like always just wonder really what's going on around the corner. He's you know? a, he's definitely a huge piece of our pop culture. Yeah, because he's given us so much, and it's. I think a lot of people don't realize too. Like we've talked about, like Running Man, Green Mile, Shawshank. Things that he's done that that aren't like you know the Salem's Lot or the the Pet Cemeteries or you know the things that are his iconic works that you're yeah. just like you instantly associate them with because he's done so much. Yeah, that's true. And I was also going to quick uh, brief shout out uh, the movie Creep Show, which he did with George Romero. Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, yeah. I didn't know he was part of Creep Show. Yeah, well, he wrote the, the, the all the stories were short stories of Stephen King. And do you remember which th- there was the the one story called the Lonesome Death of Jody Verrill, where it's the guy who finds the meteor out in the field, and it breaks open and it starts getting like plant stuff all over his fingers and it starts spreading. Do you remember that story? That's Stephen uh, King in the movie playing that character. And he's such a bad actor, but it's so much fun to watch him play that vaguely. character. I think I um, remember, was it Creepshow? Yeah, Creepshow. There's two Creepshows, creep yeah. Did he do both or only one of them? Uh, they're all based off Stephen King stories. The first one he wrote the screenplay for. The second one I don't think he did. Um, I know Romero directed the first one. Um, the first story was that was it called Father's Day, where it was the, the dead guy coming back and the whole family was there for... I think I remember Creepshow 2 more than Creepshow 1. Creepshow 2 had the raft. Oh, the raft is one of the most terrifying things I've ever watched. Yeah, that was creepy, wasn't it? I was like six. And and even when I watch it now, it's still scary. Yeah, it is. Um, But yeah, like so Creepshow is playing as part of the 12 Hours of Terror um, at the Capitol Theater um, a couple weeks from now in October. Um, So if you guys haven't seen it, like definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, But it's cool to see, like just to know that like no matter what, I mean, King's still around, still making things. It's just that... I think, um, like, just like Poe and, um, like, Lovecraft, even though they have a much smaller you know, collection of works, there's going to always be that, that, older, that old style car that you got to watch out for. There's always going to be that creepy girl, which I think King was doing creepy young girls before Japanese horror was doing them. You know, <laughs> like, so. Yeah, yeah, but I think Carrie's a creepy, different, creepier young girl. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, in, in you asked me before, like, favorite King works, like Christine, The Shining. Um, I really like the talisman, which I now I talked earlier about how I wasn't in the fantasy, but that was like his first book he wrote with Peter uh, Straub. Uh, that's also kind of fantasy. It's really cool. Okay. Um, Dark Tower series. Like I know, I think you should check it out. Like, I why well, I, I know to give a little bit of time to get going though. Uh, yeah, that's what I that's what I read about it. Uh, that like it starts because I guess he he wrote the first book. They and were, it was, it was five short, short stories they wrote in, in college. a magazine. Yeah. yeah, they published them in a magazine, so and, they had to condense them. And he even went back recently, in the past like ten years, and and updated the first book to make it more in line with the rest of them. Like he actually brings in elements from the later books in a little bit. So I haven't read the updated one, but I remember the original. It is a little, it is a little herky jerky. But after that, you get to the second book, which is called The Drawing of the Three, and then you're off to the races, and it's really good. Well, I think the I want to say is it I think Marvel Marvel has an offer to pick up more of the Dark Tower world. Yeah, which I read some of those books too. Uh, they were pretty good. Peter David wrote some of those. Okay, and so like to get get like a talent like that on board to write a lot of like the gunslinger lore, mm-hmm. like gunslingers are badass. Like I want more gunslingers. Like Roland's cool, but it's give me more of that. Like like imagine like a knight, but it doesn't wear armor. It's like like a knight slash like law lawman where they, these guys just travel the world and like ammunition scarce and they have big guns. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a cool mix of things. I liked it a lot. So anyway, that's enough rambling about the Mr. King. Uh, you know, go check out books. They're pretty great. Uh, I'd say read them all because I, I like almost every Stephen King book. I enjoy them. So um, with, with Stephen King having a birthday, I found out that, uh, that also another important person to all of us had the same birthday. 
and that is uh, Mr. Bill Murray, also had the same birthday as Stephen King. Uh, they're only three years apart in age, which to me blows my mind. Yeah. Because King definitely looks like he's 68. Uh, Bill Murray does not look like he's 65. Um, and I guess Bill Murray will never look 65 to me. I don't know. It's like he's always, even though his hair's gotten white, I will always imagine him in like the late 70s, early 80s. That's Bill Murray, you know? Yeah. Um, but And I think he's also affected our lives in a lot of ways that, that, that we can't forget either. Like there's so many quotes. So I was going to test Joe. Uh, on our, his Bill Murray knowledge to see how, <laughs> like, if he can guess the movies. Always the, get, I, I got to come up. You know what? I need to do my homework more and test you with stuff too. So. Yeah, these are, I, I, you know, I really, I, these are these are all softballs because I just, I like good Bill Murray quotes. So hopefully, okay. yeah. So all right, let's let's start off. I'm gonna see. probably embarrass myself though because I'm really bad with remembering okay. some quotes. I, I'm gonna give you the the first one's probably the one that you're gonna you're gonna whiff on. So we'll do this one. Okay. But uh, it reminds me of my favorite poem, which is um, "Roses are red." Violets are blue. I'm a schizophrenic, and so am I. Oh, is that uh? What about Bob? Yeah, that's right. You got it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then okay, we'll go to the next one here. Once again this year, I'll be sponsoring a fatherless family in every city I bowl with. Sometimes oh. when I wake up in the morning, Mr. McCracken's already there. <laughs> <laughs> He's already there. Uh, was that from Kingpin? Yeah, it was. All, All right. right. So um, let's wait, 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 let's do this one. Let's, let's take a look at that mouth. Say ah. Uh. You, you don't remember that? Oh, no. Oh, that was Steve Martin as the dentist in Little Shop of Horrors whenever uh, Bill Murray's I, in the chair. Oh, I forgot and he it, was in that. Yeah, he's, that he's I only was in it for that say, one scene, that one scene. And I he's the about, guy that's all excited about getting worked on because damn. it looks like he's in the pain. And the fact that like Steve Martin's just like just working him with this like the horrible piece of equipment. He's just like yelling candy bar over and over again. As a kid, I didn't get it. Now I'm just like, that is messed up. You know? So, Yeah. I, and I like that he's singing out whatever he's getting worked on. It's, just, it's, it's, it's dark. So anyway, how about this one? So we finish 18, and he's going to stiff me. And I say, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know. And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me. <laughs> Oh, it's nice. <laughs> Caddyshack. Yeah, right. So good that cool for me. Uh, are you habitually using drugs, stimulants, alcohol? No. Just ask him. Are you, Alice, menstruating right now? What has that got to do with it? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Is, uh, is that Ghostbusters too? Um, it might be. I just, I just, I know like it was a quick Ghostbusters bit. I like the whole like back off on the scientist. Or no, no, no. That was, I think it was the first one. No, in the that library. was the first one in the library. Yeah. I, well, because I remember in the second one where they're in the courthouse yeah. in the beginning. Okay. Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me? Don't cuss and point. You're gonna cuss with somebody. You're not gonna cuss with me. You little cuss with me. I don't know what that's from. Fantastic, Mr. Fox. Have you not seen that? I have, but I don't remember. He was the badger. And remember, like, oh. uh, and uh, him and George Clooney, like, they, like, so the whole movie, like, if there's a swear word, they just say a cuss instead. Yeah. It's like, you cussing me? You, you pointing and cussing me? I enjoyed that. Um, all right, this one. Son of a bitch, I'm sick of these dolphins. <laughs> Zisu? Yes. <laughs> Life Aquatic. <laughs> and, all right, last one. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the oh. god. I don't think. That's uh, Groundhog Day. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So. Yeah, see that wasn't too hard, was it? No. Like, yeah. Um I just I just wanted to get some Bill Murray in there. So anyway, happy birthday, Bill Murray. Happy birthday, Stephen King. I I don't think anybody I else think important anybody was cakes, yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> so uh yeah, that that's gonna do it for us. Oh I, you, know, I, you know, with the entire show without mentioning uh we're on Twitter at an invading podcast uh and an invading podcast at Gmail. We have a Facebook page. Uh certainly hit us up. Let us know if like you like Stephen King or if um I don't know. Maybe I'm off my rocker for as much as I do. Or if there's a favorite Bill Murray movie that you like, maybe it's a uh, maybe it's Garfield or Garfield: A Tale of Two Whoa. Kitties. You know, Osmosis uh, Jones. Osmosis. Oh, I forgot about Osmosis Jones. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or if you like, if you like Peter Vakeman from the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which was actually the voice of Garfield, which was the Bill Murray was the voice of. Did you know uh, that? That's yeah. weird. Yeah, that the, the voice actor for Peter Venkman in the cartoon was the voice of Garfield. Hmm. And then, and, you know, then Bill Murray was the voice of Garfield. Garfield. Yeah. Somebody so. did that. 
Yeah, it was weird. Uh, yeah. Oh, real quick, I got a, a Bill Murray factoid for you. I just thought this was funny when I read this. Uh, uh, Murray and members of the Wu-Tang Clan walked into an Austin bar and started bartending. No matter what they ordered, the actor would just give them shots of tequila. I heard that. <laughs> I've heard of that. Dude, I also heard like he photobombs a lot of uh, engagement yeah, photos. like I just, I would love, I would just be crazy, right? Just to. Like he just, it just joins in without yeah. asking. Like, <laughs> I've, and I, there's also stories in here about how, like, if someone invited to a house party, he'd show up and just, like, do the dishes and leave. Just, like, really oddball things where it's like, can you just be like, hey, great party. I saw Bill Murray doing all the dishes. He did a pretty good job. Like, yeah, that would like, just, like, what's yeah. going on? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, like, the, again, like, follow us Twitter, Facebook, uh, Gmail. Uh, next week, um, we have figured out exactly what we're doing, but we know, um, like, next Tuesday is, like, National Batman Day. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to do some Batman stuff. I don't know if that just means... Uh, Wear like suits with nipples on them or something. We're gonna or we're, we're just gonna throw boomerangs and stuff. Yeah, it's maybe and then make like transition noises as we throw things. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Start um, talking to people and then disappear. My challenge to you would be find some Batman sixty six to to read. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll see if I can find some. Yeah, because I know I guess the most recent issue they've introduced uh, they introduced Bane in the sixty six world and he's like this is the angry luchador and it's like I totally I think that'd be a lot of fun to, to read that. <laughs> So, uh, anything else? No. All right. So, uh, I never have anything. I feel bad. I feel like I should start prepping something to be, to for, be at the end. Be at the end. Like it's, some type it's of better word, than what I sometimes do. Sometimes words of wisdom. Yeah. Any words of wisdom after all the stuff tonight? No. Okay. So like, like nothing about buttons or pressing them or don't do crocodile kids. <laughs> yeah. Don't look up crocodile. It's terrifying. That's a terrifying drug. So anyway, uh, until next time, have, have a safe week, and uh, we'll see you during Batman's Day. Yay. We finish 18, and he's going to stiff me. And I say, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know. And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me, which is nice.